by the time that you're hearing this podcast, there is a good likelihood that I may have embarrassed myself in front of my family and a bunch of other folks uh, who happened to be at an event on March the 27th, 2021. And yet, on the other hand, it might have turned out to be a spectacular success as I have added some small value to a very special event that's going to happen on that day. I'm not exactly sure which one it's going to be, but I'm going to plan and work towards the latter. Either way, I'm getting out of my comfort zone. What's it take? What's it going to take for you to step out of your comfort zone? Stay tuned and find out more. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and user of metacognition, David Peterson. Well, greetings, everyone. David Peterson here, Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. And I just want to share with you that this episode is all about getting out of our comfort zone. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, especially after about, oh, two months ago, three months ago, my sister, Linda Baskin, asked me if I would come to Dayton, Tennessee and actually play some music, uh, the guitar and sing at an upcoming art show that she's going to have. Now, I should explain a little bit. My sister and I are four years apart. We are the fourth and fifth children of Don and Laura Peterson. We grew up very close. We remain very close uh, to this day. And we have an older brother who is eight years older than me, 12 years older than Linda. And quite frankly, when the three of us get together, I think it's as raucous and extemporaneously funny as any Saturday Night Live skit I've ever seen. You know, maybe it's just all the little insider jokes that the three of us like, but it's movie quotes and just we're constantly cracking each other up. We're just extremely, extremely close as siblings. And yet my older brother, Larry, who I think is one of the most brilliant people that I know, an extremely well-respected but now retired forensic chemist. He and I didn't grow up uh, being close together, and certainly my younger sister Linda was even further removed from him. So uh, it's just a a blessing when you can have that kind of of sibling love uh, later in life. So anyway, so Linda has picked up art, painting specifically in her later years. Uh, she's in her mid-50s, let's let's say. And uh, and yet, when I look at some of the stuff she paints, and I, I just literally just last night, she was showing me a painting that she's working on for uh, this art show. And again, I feel bad in my heart because I look at it and I think, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I, I like the level of detail in this man's face in the piece that she showed me via text last night, I just was floored because, I mean, I just, I feel like I can't even draw a straight line or whatever. And and so my thought immediately goes to, I don't remember, like growing up, I don't remember Linda like drawing or doodling or, you know, maybe I just wasn't paying attention. And then I felt like super convicted because in a sense, what I'm saying is my sister Linda shouldn't have this ability to do that. We're like, 
<laughs> you know, I'm almost like like unbelieving that she's actually doing this artwork, right? And, and yet, who am I to say the creative genius that has been inside her all this time? Or who knows, maybe she was constantly drawing and doodling, whatever, and I just wasn't uh, paying attention. But I know that more recently, she's really been focused on it. She spends time. She really works on techniques. She has a coach. Not going to jump into all of that in this particular episode, but those of you that have followed the podcast know that I'm a big fan of of coaching. Everyone, even at the highest levels of expertise, typically you'll find those people have ongoing coaching who are helping and working them on techniques. So she's, she's poured herself into this to maybe take this seed of inherent talent. And so really what I need to do is stop being so amazed when she produces amazing work. Uh, She was just practicing some techniques by looking at somebody else's painting, whatever, and then trying to duplicate that. Now, and and so she created like a four panel piece and I have it hanging on the wall in my office and and I'll put it on the show notes for you guys. Look, I think it's the coolest looking thing ever. And and I was talking to her, I was like, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you sell that? She said, no, 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 I can't sell that. That's not, that's not an original piece of art. That's I just was practicing these techniques because I wanted to uh, I wanted to acquire right that skill. I was looking at somebody else's artwork. It's not original. So what she's working on now is original artwork. And one of her friends in Dayton, Tennessee, says, look, Linda, we need to put together an art show that just features your works. And we're going to do that at this coffee shop in Dayton. And, uh, you know, we'll advertise it and, and we'll make it a big deal. It'll be the, the Linda Baskin uh, art uh, show. And uh, Linda has has really gotten serious about this. She's put together a, a company called Bodaza. And uh, that's a really cool name. And she and I had some conversations about that. And then, you know, so, you know, she and I, you know, talk on a regular basis, as you would expect brother and sister to do. And one day she is telling me about this art show. And she just asks me out of the blue. She's like, hey, I don't I don't want to, you know, make you feel obligated, but would would you consider coming and playing music at the art show? And, you know, it just kind of struck me as like, wow, that is, you know, I, I was just thinking it would be an art show, whatever. But but think about it. Many of you have probably been to a, you know, some kind of an art show, whatever. And it's very common that you would have maybe somebody playing a guitar or singing quietly, just sort of providing some background music, some patina, if you will, the, the underlying canvas for this amazing uh, thing that's going to be the, the art show. And so it did kind of uh, did kind of make sense. And so Linda was just saying, hey, you know, that would just I get it. That's that's not your gig. That's not what you do on a regular basis. But it would be it would mean a lot. And uh, and if you would be interested in doing that, I'd love to uh, I'd love to have you do it. So I, I, I thought about it. I can't remember now if I immediately said that I would do it. I think pretty quickly I was like, OK, I'll, I'll do it because uh, it's my sister. Right. It's like, yes, yes. Right. I'll do it. And then I got to thinking about it and thinking, wait a second, this this isn't just like going and playing a song. This isn't working on a song. Like like I've sung at weddings and funerals where I've played the guitar and sang or sang with a, an accompaniment tape. It's like a song. If you start thinking about an art show that might be, I don't know, two hours long, three hours long, it's like you got to have a, a whole bunch of songs. So, you know, I really, I really started thinking about this and, and I was already thinking about this idea of getting out of your comfort zone. And I said, David, this is, this is it. You're, you're, you're already planning to talk about getting out of the comfort zone from a standpoint of 
converting creativity into innovation or even just deciding that you're going to be more creative in the first place. So here's your chance to get out of your comfort zone. So it, it would be fair to ask, well, wait a second, David, do you, do you have any musical ability? Can you play the guitar and sing? I will say that that I do have uh, a basic singing voice. I don't think it's uh, it's certainly not professional quality, whatever, but it's it's probably better than average. And uh, and I am an intermediate guitar player. I know how to play chords. I can I can play the guitar in a in a manner that is uh, certainly suitable to play to play songs. Certainly songs that I might know or have practiced. But here's what I learned when I first started to pick up the guitar. It was very very specific because I was in a church that had a praise and worship band and that was losing its main guitar player, and we needed to have a replacement. So I, I said, okay, I'll pick up the guitar. And what I learned right away was, first of all, starting to learn how to play the guitar is incredibly hard. There's a reason why a lot of people have guitars in garage sales is because they buy a guitar or get a guitar as a gift, well-meaning that they're going to learn how to play the guitar and realize very quickly that those steel strings really hurt your fingertips. It, it takes it takes months and months of perseverance to get past the point where your fingertips are just on fire, in some cases actually cracked and bleeding. And most people don't push past that to, to basically get a, a callus, if you will. And so even now that, that I don't really get a chance to play as much as I used to, my fingers are tough enough that I can pick up the guitar and play it for a while without it really hurting. But, but they're not, they're not super callous, right? It's, you can tell that they're, they're a little out of, uh, out of whack. So I, I persevered through that and started really learning to where I could change the chords, you know, the fingering. I'm a right hander. So you're, you're strumming with your right hand and you're moving your left hand to basically uh, press down certain strings and certain frets to, to make the chords. And it took me months and months and months to get to the point where I felt like I could do that without, you know, without really slowing down the song. And then I started to try and sing. And let me just tell you something. You, you've always, you know, you may have heard that thing about like, you know, rubbing your stomach and patting your head and, and, and whatever, whatever. So think about this. Think about your right hand. If you're a right hander, your right hand is trying to play this kind of strumming pattern. It's not just whacking at it. There's a there's almost like almost like a drum like sort of pattern that you would play for different songs. Meanwhile, your left hand is moving fingers. Right. So it's not moving and doing the same thing. And then add to that trying to sing and, of course, stay on pitch follow the song, remember the words, you know, whatever all that is. It is incredibly hard. It took me years to the point where I could really sort of sing and focus on the singing while I was playing without really having to concentrate on, you know, moving my fingers to get from the G to the D and, and whatever else. Still today, I consider myself to be an intermediate uh, player and, and I have an okay singing voice, but you know, I don't do I don't do concerts. I, I have never gone out and you see these people at like a little restaurant, whatever, and they've just got, you know, like a little a little amp and a, and a guitar and, and they're singing, whatever, you know, playing popular movies. I've never, never done that. Never, ever done that. And, and I was thinking back in preparation for this for this podcast. Why am I even musical at all? Why? Why do I have any um aptitude, if you want to call it that, for music. And I think back to 1975. In, in September of 1975, I was a freshman in high school, Suncoast High School in Riviera Beach, Florida. And it was, uh, like many high schools, it's your first chance to have elective courses. So you get to choose, you know, you got to 
take English and math and science and whatnot, but then you get some choices. And so as uh, as you you mostly see in, in those kinds of situations, you, you have a first choice, you have a second choice, you have a third choice, and they sort of fill up the classes and you get what you get. So I don't know, maybe my fourth or fifth choice was chorus. My, my sister had been in, in the chorus and I, you know, I thought, yeah, whatever. It's it's like it's not going to get down that far on the list. So, I show up for school the first day. I get my schedule, and sure enough, I'm in chorus. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Whatever. So I go in there. I meet the course teacher, Mr. Dwayne, and Dwayne's super, you know, he's a super guy, whatever. And I explain the situation to him, say, look, I don't mean to be ugly or anything, but I don't really want to be in this class. And he looked at me and goes, well, great. I don't want you to be in this class either. Go. Go down the office. Go. Go get something else. And literally, for a couple of days, I tried my best to get out of that class. I mean, I was willing to take anything else. And literally, everything was filled. So Mr. Dwayne took me aside and said, look, David, here's the thing. This is an easy A. This is an easy A. I don't care whether you can sing or not. All you have to do is participate. Just, you know, you're a smart kid. You're, you're going to be a National Honor Society based on, you know, your grades coming out of a junior high school. Don't, don't blow this by having a sour attitude. Just participate. Get an A and move on and, you know, just, you know, don't even look back at this. And he's right. I mean, it's like, what, why would I be fussing about, you know, having to take this class? So I started participating. Turns out, I actually did have a, a reasonably good tenor singing voice. I could stay on pitch, and I stayed in chorus for four years and was in ensembles and select choruses and got involved in musicals and plays and barbershop quartet. I mean, I just embraced music, and I think back to that one moment of, of me trying so hard to get out and wondering if, you know, there wasn't some divine guidance there about, no, 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 <laughs> you're, you're going you're gonna to want to develop this. this. I, I can't imagine what my life would be like today without what music has really meant to me uh, over the years. I, I went on to college, not in any kind of music capacity. I was studying to be a forensic chemist like my brother Larry. But they had a, a play that was open to college students, and I applied for it. And I had one of the lead roles in Pippin in 1978 uh, at uh, Florida Tech, which is now University of Central Florida. So over the years, I've just looked for opportunities to be involved in, in music. And ultimately, start once I got to the point where I could play and sing, started leading praise and worship for an organization called Kairos. I won't dive deep down into uh, all of that. It's an amazing ministry that is focused on going into prisons and providing uh, weekend experiences for inmates and inmates at maximum security prisons. And so I've probably done that now 35 times, almost every one of those in a capacity of leading praise and worship music inside of a prison. So you've got basically 100 uh, inmates who who are literally murderers and rapists and and armed robbers and the, the, the worst of the worst. And you're basically leading them in music. So, so I can honestly say that I've played before a tough crowd before. And, and I give you all that background, not to try and, and set some kind of, of uh, oh, oh, look at me type of thing. But here's the point that I'm trying to make. If I had never had any kind of musical ability at all, and my sister Linda came to me and said, hey, I'd like for you to play uh, some background music at my art show. Well, that would be really way out of the realm of possibility to to make an assumption that somehow in just a few weeks I could somehow acquire the skill and, and confidence right to you know be able to put forth but because I have some musical ability it's not that far-fetched but it's still not something that I do on a regular basis and, and here's here's the word that I sort of settled on it's expectation 
expectation. So there's an expectation that for this art show, there's going to be a nice background music. In this case, it'll be a combination of, let's call it classic rock favorites that, that people would know, as, as, as well as some contemporary Christian music, again, that people who follow that kind of music would know well. You know, so on the one hand, it's not like you trying to play your own songs and people are obviously not there to even hear you play music. They're there for the art. And so this has to be good and it has to be where people would hear it. And because they're popular songs, they have an expectation about what those songs sound like. Right. So if I was singing Hotel California by the Eagles and people have an expectation of that. So at the same time, it has to be just right so that people are listening to it and it's pleasing, but it's not the focal point. It, if I was singing very poorly or playing very poorly, it would distract people from the art. So it's got to be something where they they hear it and it's pleasing to them and it just creates this sort of ambiance. I also have an expectation that I want this event to be positive for my sister. Like I, I have a feeling that, that okay, David, you know, you, sometimes you just walk up and you say, well, I'll just wing it. I know how to play the guitar. I know some of these songs. And it's like, wait a second. Uh, again, we're not talking about playing a song or two. You're talking about playing dozens of different songs and, and perhaps because of the length of the event cycling back through some of them, but that's a much different deal than this idea of, oh, you're, you know, you're just going to like singing at a wedding or a funeral and you, and you really only have to practice one song. So this idea of what is it, what is it that, that causes us to get in a comfort zone? Where, where do we get to the point where an opportunity like this comes along and we basically say, no, nah, I'm good. Whatever the equivalent for you of your sister coming to you and saying, hey, I'm going to do this, this uh, art show, you know, would you play for it? And then you kind of think through that and you go, no, you know, I, thank you. Thank you for asking me, you know, but no. What, what is that comfort zone for you. By the way, uh, my sister Linda, <laughs> she is really stepping it up, right? She has a certain number of pieces of art that she has to get done, and she has this very definitive idea of what she wants, but she's still a relatively new artist who it really feels a lot of pressure to try and get this artwork. She is stepping out of her comfort zone because her friend said, oh my gosh, we got to do an art show for you. And it sounds like, great. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Until you realize, wait a second, I've just committed to, to create these eight or nine or 10 pieces that are actually quite complex. The picture that I mentioned to you or the painting I mentioned earlier to you is one face that I was so impressed with, but it's one face in a series of five faces. So when you look at it, there's this incredibly looking face and then there's blank spots where these other faces are going to go. <laughs> I asked her, I was like, well, doesn't that put a lot of pressure on you to like get those, like this face looks great. What happens if you mess up the other face? She's like, I know, you know, you know, I work on the computer. If I, if I make a mistake, if I, you know, screw up a paragraph, whatever, I can go back and fix it, whatever. She's got art. She, she can't just, she can't just erase that, you know, with some, <laughs> with some solvent or whatever, start over. It's, it is incredibly pressure filled to step out of your comfort zone. And yet, that's how we grow. That's how we expand. That's how we use different parts of our brain. That's how we move into a new realm of pushing ourselves in such a way that we learn new things about ourselves. We use that pressure and the idea that we want to succeed in order to take us to another level. And that's certainly true from a standpoint of how I feel we should be thinking about creativity and innovation. 
So I want to tie this back into a concept that I created in Grounded. So shameless plug, if you don't already know, I wrote a book called Grounded back in 2016. I'll have a link to it in Amazon in the show notes. You can get a digital copy of it. And, and I encourage you to read it because it's not a creativity innovation book. It's a it's a leadership book about how we can really remain in ability to make great decisions in a crisis. But the whole point about grounded is the double entendre of the actual word grounded itself. So the so my whole thing that I was trying to say is grounded is a positive word when we talk about it in the sense where you might say, oh, my nephew Jim, oh, he is such a grounded young man, right? And, and so we talk about people being grounded, that they're in a place that's, you know, maybe even wise for their age or mature for their age. In grounded, I described it as being mentally and emotionally stable admirably sensible, realistic, and unpretentious. That's a lot. Mentally and emotionally stable, admirably sensible, realistic, and unpretentious. And think about it. There's people that you know that have those traits that if I said, well, that sounds like a a very grounded person. That sounds like a grounded young man or young woman or man or woman, whatever. And you would say, yes, indeed. Yes, they uh, they are. So, So there's this whole positive aspect of grounded but there's a, a negative aspect of grounded, right? So there's this whole idea of grounded, meaning that you've, you've run aground. And in the book Grounded, I talk about shipwrecks, two that occurred back in the 1864-65 timeframe and a personal shipwreck um, that I was on in the 1970s, uh, 1979. So when we think about grounded now and you've run your ship aground and you say, oh, well, that, that ship is grounded, we are definitely not talking about it in a positive way. So when I talk about grounded, there were three things that I I sort of tried to capture in the book of what it is that grounds us, what stops us from achieving all that we can achieve. And it was these three things. We were grounded by a lack of courage. We are grounded by a lack of initiative. And we're grounded by a lack of perseverance. Courage, initiative, perseverance. The lack of those things stops us from achieving whatever. It stops us from raising our hand and saying, I have an idea. It stops us from deciding that I have this inherent interest in art and doing the necessary things to develop that and to and to actually buy canvases and paint and start painting and make mistakes and, and ruin canvases and throw them away and try again and try again and get a coach and work on so you can create the kind of art that you can see uh, that I have on the uh, on the podcast notes or, or that, that you can go see from uh, bodaza.com. That's how my sister has avoided being grounded and not moving forward. It's me saying, I'm not going to allow a lack of courage or initiative or perseverance to have me say, no, I'm not going to play for that event. When we take courage, when we take initiative, when we, when we persevere past sore hurting fingers or or stubbing our you know our toe or ruining canvases or wh- whatever the the appropriate element of that is for you and you push past that and you get to the point where you where you have have achieved past that thing that that negatively grounds us that's when we really start to grow and so this if you think about courage initiative perseverance isn't that the essence of why we Stay in our comfort zone, right? It takes courage, courage to say yes. 
It takes initiative to then move to the point where you're actually doing the things that are necessary in order for it to you achieve that thing that you raised your hand and said, yes, I'll do it. And it takes perseverance so that when you start to play, in my case, I start playing and practicing these songs and I realize, oh my gosh, that, uh, that particular chord progression is really hard. I'll just set that song aside. And once you do that enough times, you realize, wait a second, you're, you're sacrificed. You're going to be down to four songs that you play over and over again. You've got you've to get these. You've got to learn the, the chord progressions and be able to sing these to make it. That's perseverance to not just say, oh, that's not going to work. Oh, that's not going to work. You push past that. You push past that and you you take the confidence that you are going to make it in with you. And that's ultimately how you get out of your comfort zone. Now, it's really not hard to figure out why we want to stay in our comfort zone. This is super easy and certainly won't be any big revelation for you here. It's fear, fear of failure. We, we inherently don't want to fail at things. There, nobody wants to be put in a situation where we would be embarrassed. And quite frankly, it's even greater. Like, I've heard people talk about this all the time. So, when I, you know, when you do like community theater uh, and, and people talk about, well, you know, what, what's it like to get up and do theater, do like a, a play or a musical in the theater? And I've heard a lot of people say that they would be more comfortable doing that kind of thing in front of strangers than in front of their family and friends. Right. And think about it. At the end of the day, if if you missed your line, if you fell down on stage, if you if you cracked a sour note, what, whatever may have happened while you're on the stage and you did it in front of a bunch of strangers and maybe you're never going to see any of these people ever again. Right. But but doing it in front of family and friends, that's a whole nother long term reminder uh, about whatever your embarrassment moment is. So now I'm going to go up this. My sister's going to be there. My brother and his wife are, are going to be up there. My wife will be up there. Uh, my mom uh, and dad will, will be there, right? There's, there's other people from the community there that I know. And again, it's, it's not about me. It's, it's not about how well I play. It's about making sure that I add the proper ambiance, right, uh, to the event. So, so I, I feel pressure to do this. And yet I know that this is the right way for me to move out of my comfort zone. Now, let me give you guys a couple of tips, because let's just suppose you're listening to this podcast and you said, oh, you know what? I want to do the same thing. I want to go. I'm going to go and agree to go play at a, at a little small restaurant or something like that in, in music. And, and yet you've never you've never played the guitar before. You've never sang anything before. I'm not sure that that necessarily is the right step. So. So here's a little sort of multi-step process for you to sort of say, is what I'm about to step into in getting out of my comfort zone going to likely be a positive experience, right? So number one, take stock of your ability, right? So I only agreed to do this because I feel like I at least have enough guitar playing skill and singing skills to do this. If she had said, David, I want you to paint five paintings and put them up on the wall next to mine, I would have been like <laughs> totally passed because A, I just don't feel like I have that ability. And B, there was no way for me to even possibly acquire that ability in that period of time. It, it could take millennia for me to, uh, to do that. So first of all, make sure that the comfort zone step that you're taking is in alignment with 
your skills and abilities. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't build on skills and abilities to take on something new. If somebody said, David, I want you to play a song on the piano. Well, I'm not really a piano player and I don't read piano music, but I probably know enough about music and the chord structures and so forth that I could probably, with enough practice, take that additional step of moving from the guitar to the to the piano. So that's like a, a small step. If you have people regularly tell you, oh my gosh, you have such a great voice and you're so good when you stand up and extemporaneously speak, and then you got a chance to go do a, a talk in front of a local group like Kiwanis or Rotary or, or something like that, that's a good getting out of your comfort zone because you already have some ability to express yourself, especially extemporaneously, or, or that you decide to join Toastmasters and, and get up and give those speeches. The, make sure that the step that you're taking is moving you along a continuum of skills and abilities that you already have. That's number one. Number two, practice. Practice. Make sure that you get some reps. If if you had basic speaking ability and then you were going to go do an, uh, something in front of the Rotary Club, is standing in front of the Rotary Club the first time that you would ever do that seven-minute speech? No. Maybe that's, maybe that's a great example where you'd be at Toastmasters and you'd be practicing that speech where other people are giving you positive feedback before you deliver it at the Rotary Club. So, so the fact that, that I'm going to now play this uh, background music on, on March 17th, 2021, means that I've got to be working on and practicing this music on and along to make sure that by the time I get there, I'm very comfortable with these songs. And again, remember, I'm playing songs that everyone there will know. So if I do it badly, it's going to be painfully obvious. And that leads to number three, which is be realistic. The only way that this works is by me picking songs that I, quote, know, right? And I used Hotel California uh, before. Hotel California is a song that I know. I know exactly how it goes. I know how the tune goes. I know all the little inflections of how you would do the vocals for Hotel California. So it's a song that I know well enough that even though I still need to practice it, I'm not going to be thinking in my head about how the song goes or what comes next. I can focus be focused on the performance. So, so if when my sister Linda and I were talking about songs and she would say, well, what about this song? And, and I would literally say, I don't know that song well enough, which is to say, it's not that I couldn't learn it, but if I'm going to be focused on, on performance for this, then I'm not going to pick any songs that I don't know by heart. Right? So, so the, 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 Fourth thing is, is that the step that I'm taking is a reasonable step. It's not a gigantic leap. It's not a leap off a cliff, right? I'm going to play at this really cool coffee shop up in Dayton, Tennessee. It's a very small town. It's a a university town, a college town. But it's small in, in eastern Tennessee. It's, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes outside of Chattanooga. But, I mean, Chattanooga is not a, that big of a city. And, and this, is, this is a small town. I, I, I'm not playing Carnegie Hall. I'm not playing Ruth Eckert Hall down in Clearwater, Florida. I'm playing in a really, really nice coffee shop in Dayton, right? So that, that is a reasonable step. So take stock of your ability and then, you know, practice and be realistic about what you can do and take a step out of your comfort zone, but not a leap. Don't dive off of a cliff. Well, many of you have heard me talk about wisdom from Roger Van Ock. Uh, He wrote a book called A Whack on the Side of the Head, and I have referenced that before 
in previous Innovation Driven Growth podcasts. So again, you can go find that book in the show notes. But in uh, A Whack on the Side of the Head, at, at the very end, there's a whole section of the book where a student and a teacher are kind of going back and forth about uh, what's it going to take in order for the student to become more uh, creative. And Roger has a series of, of little short articles, if you will, that that I think really sum up this, this whole concept of getting out of your, your comfort zone. So again, this is from Roger Van Ox, but this is not David Peterson's wisdom. This is Roger Van Ox's wisdom. Uh, and I encourage you to go get this book yourself. Number one, take a whack at it. Take a whack at it. Like, take the step. Take the step. Say yes. And again, you're, you know, nobody hits a home run without without swinging. You know, you can't catch a fish without making a cast. You, you can't make an idea come to fruition if you don't take a whack at it. You've got to stop saying, well, someday I might or somehow this might happen in the future, whatever. When, when an opportunity presents, if it aligns with your ability and that you could practice and be realistic about it and, and not take too big of a, a leap, then, then take a whack at it. Next. Roger says, put a lion in your heart, right? So if you're going to take that step, you, you cannot take that step super timidly. You know, you kind of get the idea in the uh, Indiana Jones, what was the third Indiana Jones movie where he has to take the leap from the, you know, that looks like it's this big crevasse, whatever. And, and he just takes this very tentative step and it turns out to be a, a little rock bridge that happens to look exactly like it, right? That, I, I think I would take a very tentative step <laughs> there as well. That's like, holy cow, you have to have a lion in your heart. If you're going to go forward, you have got to have this idea that I, I am going to do this. I am not going to just sort of half-heartedly do it. And then when it doesn't turn out well, go, oh, well, I knew it wasn't going to turn out well. I love this quote that Roger Van Ock says, to fight, a, uh, to fight a bull when you're not scared is nothing. To not fight a bull when you're scared is nothing. But to fight a bull when you're scared is really something. That, that is sort of putting yourself in that comfort zone and yet still standing out there in front of this charging bull with the horns and doing your thing. What what is it going to take to put a lion in your heart to do that, right? Getting support. So again, just because you decide to take a step out doesn't mean you can't get help. I encourage you to to find a coach if you were stepping out and you wanted to to expand some part of your uh, skill set, you would find a coach who can do that. Or uh, as I mentioned, if you wanted to be a, a a public speaker and you wanted to expand your ability to do prepared and ex- extemporaneous speeches, Join Toastmasters. It's an amazing organization, but you don't have to do it alone. You know, get support. Next, Roger says, get rid of excuses. That's it. (laughs) I mean, it is amazing. Uh, I mentioned earlier about Kairos. It's amazing how many excuses I had for when these men came to me and said, hey, we want you to, you know, we want you to to, uh, play uh, praise and worship at this event. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm I'm a new, you know, guitar player. I'm just all of a sudden starting to barely feel a little comfort that I can actually play and sing at the same time. And here are these men coming and saying, we, we have this event and we want you to play. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. And then I find out it's at the maximum security prison. Oh, 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 what, wait, I'm sorry. What, what, what did you say the day? Oh, that day. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm booked that day. I mean, I came up with every possible excuse to not do that. And, and, and at the end of the day, I had to ditch those excuses and, and it was convicted in my heart to say, no, 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 this is the opportunity that you have to play. You take that step and go into the prison and, and play. So, you know, that idea that, that we have to get rid of the, 
the, uh, the excuses that we make and take that step. Next, Roger says, flex your risk muscle. Your risk muscle. We, we all have a risk muscle, but because we don't use it very often, just like, you know, maybe like an astronaut up on the, on the space station, it's very hard for them to maintain muscle tone, whatever, because they're not, they're not in gravity. They're not able to use those muscles. And they do a lot of work up there to try and maintain, but even so, a lot of them, when they come back after being months and months and months in space, it takes them a while to get back to a, a level of muscle tone. So if we're not going to exercise our wrist muscle, then it's going to it's going to atrophy, right? So so what are you going to do to to kind of put some some exercise into that wrist muscle? So uh, he goes on and, and talks about setting a deadline. You know, if if you say you're going to do something but there's no deadline for it, then it's easy to put it off forever. I, I have I have a an internal deadline that every month I'm going to you know, put forward a, a podcast. And so I've got to make sure that I come up with material and take the time to record this podcast. I have a deadline. March 27th, I'm going to be playing the guitar for my sister's uh, art show. I, I, have a, I have a deadline. So make sure that there's something pushing you to actually get to that step at a specified time. And finally, be persistent persistent, that that you don't give up, that you push through the things that would tend to ground you, right? You push through lack of courage, you push through lack of initiative, and you push through lack of perseverance to get to the point where you overcome and you wind up sort of afterwards going, holy cow, I was nervous like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I, uh, oh my gosh, I just, uh, but it came out okay. Is it going to be great? <clears throat> Am I going to play at this coffee shop and somebody's going to come and goes, oh my gosh, David Peterson, you're amazing. We want to sign you to a, a contract, you know, you'll be our Nashville's next big star. No. No, 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 that's, that's not going to happen. But what, what I do hope will happen is that my sister will come up to me afterwards and she'll say, thank you so much for coming. You just added a lot of value to the event. You know, my mom loves me. She's going to be proud of me no matter what, what happens. But I want to do a really great job in that concert by taking this step and doing that in a way that is not just for the support of my sister, but because David Peterson has to, has to get out of his comfort zone and continue to take the next steps to forward creativity and innovation. What is the step? What's the step that you need to take if you are listening to this podcast and you're kind of struggling with this, whatever, send me an email. I'm at david at davidpeterson.com. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what your tell me what your struggle is. Tell me what what is stopping you from taking that step. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to communicate with you and try to provide any kind of encouragement or wisdom. And I'd love to feature your uh, ability to take that step on a future Innovation Driven Growth podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.